0: Thanks, Tom. It's, it's great to be with you all um, this evening. I hope you've all been uh, enjoying the, the good weather and making the most of it while it lasts, um, whatever it is you've been doing. So we're, we're continuing our, our series on, on Philippians tonight. And we'll be in Philippians 2, 19 to 30. But before before we get there, uh, I'd like to start with a question, if I may. Um, if I was to say the phrase, living, living the gospel to you what what immediately springs to mind if I ask the question living the gospel is it a particular person is it a, a something that you do is it an attitude a certain way of living and you know what, what does that look like and while I was obviously preparing for this preach I was thinking about this as well and just came up with a couple of examples um, one quite recent and one um, a few years ago of, of you know just this is what came to mind when I thought of, of living the gospel. So earlier on this year, I got to uh to, out to Poland to, to visit the city of, uh, of Krakow, um, gorgeous city, you know, great architecture, great beer, um, super cheap as well. Um, obviously, this isn't the travel channel, so I will uh, refrain from telling you about all the excursions that we did. But one excursion I will put on is we um we managed to visit the Auschwitz concentration camp, is um about half an hour, 45 minutes outside of Krakow. And if you don't know, that was one of the, the big concentration camps used by the Nazis in World War II, uh, where you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, Jews and other people groups that were persecuted um, sadly perished. So while we were there and, and you're going around on the tour, they give you some personal stories of, of different prisoners. Um, and one was the story of a guy called Maximilian Kolb, who was a, a Catholic priest, actually. He was a, uh, a Catholic priest of a church in a city that, in Poland that was, that was quite near Auschwitz, actually. Um, and he was, he was sent to the concentration camp for actually hiding, uh, I think it was about 200 Jews um, in his church. Then he obviously discovered this and he got sent there. And one day in the camp, there was a, an escape attempt. Um, and, and there was ten men that were implicated in it, and these ten men were going to be sentenced to death, to basically starve, just in a hole underground. Um, they just put the lid on it and come back in three weeks to, um, obviously, some dead bodies. Um, and on hearing the, the protestations of, of one of the, the prisoners who said, you know, I've got a wife, I've got a family, um, you know, please, could you, would you, would you spare me? He stepped forward and said, look, I'm a, I'm a priest. I, I don't have any family i'm i'm single i'm celibate I volunteered to to take this guy's place the 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 soldiers agreed to this and maximilian Kolb took the place of this prisoner who you know mor- and died in the place of this guy and miraculously the prisoner that he saved actually um made it out of the concentration camp got through the war and and lived a perfectly normal life now that story really really struck me as you know, it is a personification of the gospel. Someone that has, you know, committed a wrong and there's there's punishment. Actually, someone who who wasn't involved in that wrong, had no part in that wrong, takes that person's place. So yeah, just a, a fantastic story. I encourage you to look into it as well. Um, and the next example, I thought, I was a bit more, bit more day to day, a bit more rel- relatable, probably for all of us. It was when I was doing A levels, so maybe five or six years ago now. Quite a stressful time, doing your A-levels. Um, I'd done them. And then one morning I was at the church that I was at growing up and uh, was talking to this elderly couple. And they were asking me how my exams had gone, et cetera. And I said, yeah, yeah, well, well, went really well. And they were like, well, that's, that's great. Because, you know, we've been praying for you every day for the last six months.
1: And, I, I you know, I
0: was quite taken aback by this. I had no idea that, that these people had been, you know, silently and quietly in the background just bearing me up in prayer every day and it just you know, it was amazing to to know that there was a community and a network of believers behind me that were living the gospel and just bearing me up in prayer every day and that was you know that was something that rang to mind when I was thinking about this topic of of living the gospel. So Paul's also got two examples of for us of people that are living the gospel and as I said before this is in Philippians 2 19 to 30. I'll just hand over to Tom just to read that out for us.
1: Thanks, Dan. So yeah, I'm reading from, as Dan said, Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how, as a son with a father, He has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. But he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honour such men. He nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me.
0: Thank you, Tom. Um, so yeah, I mean, this this passage is the, I think the subtitle that you may be able to see in your Bibles uh, gives away. It's all about Timothy and, and Epaphroditus. So just quickly on, on these guys and who they are, just starting with Timothy. I think when, when thinking about Timothy, if you were to go into the dictionary and, and you know, get the definition of right-hand man, um, I think a picture of Timothy may, may well be there. He was you know, Paul's closest confidant, a right-hand man. We see a couple of of letters addressed to him um, from Paul in the New Testament, and he was, yes yeah, somebody that Paul relied on, he trusted on a lot, someone that even in this passage he describes as a son in the faith, and he was someone that was, was partnering and helping Paul to, to get the gospel around this area of the Middle East and sort of into uh, you know, Asia Minor as well and all those sort of areas. Um, and Epaphroditus, I mean, we, we, we don't know too much about him because he's, he's only mentioned in the book of Philippians, I believe. Um, but again, he's someone that's clearly quite, seems quite mature. He's entrusted by the church in Philippi to, to, to do different things on their behalf, such as you know, going to Paul and delivering messages and supplies and things like that. So clearly somebody that was thought of in good stature by, by the church in Philippi. So that there's four aspects really of, of living the gospel that I wanted to just uh, explore today um, from the lives of, of these two guys, uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And the first point was just, you know, living the gospel in in ourselves. So how would how are Timothy and Epaphroditus doing that in, in their own lives, in in their self life? I think there's two things that for me when I was looking at this just just jumped out in the text. Um, one, I mean, starting with Timothy, that he's willing to be sent anywhere. I think you know, we see that in verse 19 that Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Um, and two, that actually, you know, if, if necessary and if it, if it came to it, they're, they're willing to die. We see that Epaphroditus um, was near to death. Um, you know, he very nearly died in this this task that he was carrying out um, you, know, to, you know, to go and see Paul. I think I think that that says something, doesn't it? I think when you're willing to be to be sent somewhere, and maybe ultimately even willing to to die um, for something, that that speaks of a real kind of ch- something that's happened there. It's not. Um, it would have to be something that's pretty special that's happened for for that to take place within you. I think in these guys there seems to be this mindset of kind of a, a an abandonment, a you know, a radical abandonment to the gospel in, in them both. I think this is a major uh, a major component of, of what it means to, to be a Christian. Jesus was actually quite radical in this regard. You know, some of the things that he said sort of in you know in, in Luke 9, 62, for example, where he talked about, you know, anyone who puts his hand to the plough and looks back isn't fit for service in the kingdom of God. And then we've got um, Paul, as well, elsewhere in the New Testament in Galatians 2 20 says this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what it what is this abandonment? What what I'm talking about? It's really a it's a laying down, it's a, a death of ourselves, it's a laying aside of our own plans, our own agendas, our own thoughts about what our life might look like so that actually God's plans and God's agendas can take over. I think, as I said before, I think Timothy and Epaphroditus, they really kind of exemplify this in their willingness to to go anywhere, and their willingness maybe to even ultimately die for it. Um, And it's all for the work of Christ of course, and and their eyes are, are clearly fixed on on things that are above, their, their eyes are fixed on Christ, they're they're abandoned to this goal of, of actually getting, spreading the gospel around. And um, yeah, Paul also elsewhere in the New Testament says this. He says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I think they, Timothy and Epaphroditus, they really exemplify this this attitude of, you know, which is really the, the living of gospel in, in themselves. That actually our lives are not our own. Uh, they're for God and, and His purposes, um, not our own. Ultimately, I think that's a major part of you know, what it means to, to to come to Christ and accept His gift of salvation and to to join Him on on this mission to actually get this good news out there. That we we lay down the preconceived plans we had about our life for something different. Um, and there's a there's <laughs> there's a quote about effect by a guy called called Jim Elliott. He who was, he was a missionary um, and he, he had sadly died um, taking the gospel to uh, someone who reached tribes and, and people groups in, in Ecuador. Um, and he said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So Jim Elliott like timothy and epaphroditus really kind of yeah, demonstrated this abandonment of their self and the things that they want for the cause of christ and and his his plan for their lives and i think this is really what it means to be living the gospel in ourselves it's a denial of self for something different so i just yeah i just want to encourage you you know if you have taken that that step and you're a believer and you're in the faith ask god to show you um you know, what you're doing well at living the gospel and the things that you you have laid down and and obviously being encouraged by that. But also ask God to show you areas of your life, just, you know, as a challenge. Ask God to show you areas of your life where, you know, you are holding something back, where actually I've not fully surrendered this to you, Lord Jesus. Actually, I'm clinging on to something here. Um, And yeah, ask him to help you to live the gospel, actually within yourself uh, more fully and just, you know, be encouraged and, and pray about it so the next the next aspect of, of living the gospel that i see in these two is actually our living the gospel in relation to to other believers um yeah timothy also shows an example of how you know we relate to others and how this is actually an aspect of what it means to be living the gospel you know paul states um that Timothy will will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. And he says, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Um, I think the key phrase here is genuinely concerned. Um, The inference being really that as believers, I think we can be guilty of not showing genuine concern. Um, I think the interesting thing is that yeah, Paul doesn't say that those who don't show genuine concern at all times aren't believers. It's interesting in chapter one where he talks about Philippians, where he talks about um, you know some people actually preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, and he doesn't even say that those people are Christians. So I think yeah, the the thing Paul suggests really, I think that that we we can be guilty of this as well. We can be guilty of not showing genuine concern for the welfare of our fellow brothers and sisters, I was just, I was thinking about this. It's just really interesting to think about from a perspective of, of uh, what we would colloquially describe as Britishness. Um, I think Britain must be one of the only cultures in the world where giving a truthful answer to the question, how are you can be considered rude or annoying. It's this kind of uh, attitude of, well, you know, I'd rather you didn't sort of share all your problems and offload them onto me, you know, um, I'd rather not share mine with you. You know, I've got a lot going on. It'd be quite uncomfortable to get into that uh, discussion. So, can we just sort of get on with what we're here to do? You know, to have a meal or have a pint or sit in church. Um, you see how this—the <laughs> cultural attitude we have in Britain towards, you know, showing concern for the welfare of others—it can, it you know, it can get into the church a little bit. And, you know, I'm I'm as guilty of this as anybody. You know, I'm I'm quite a private person, so you know, sometimes I, I will sort of skirt around a, an answer to the to the question of how are you because it's almost like I sort of I don't want to burden you with all my issues, and it's kind of I'd just rather dodge that discussion. Um, so I'm just as guilty as anybody of this, um, and obviously the the church it is a countercultural movement, so. Um, <laughs> and the way that we act in relation to each other is actually a hallmark of 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 what the church is. You know, Jesus said, you know, the world will know you're my disciples, you know, by how you, you love one another, how you treat each other. Um so yeah, people, you know, should should come into the church and say, Well, look at these guys, the the, the love they have each other, the, the love they have for each other, the the genuine concern for the welfare of each other. And it's easier said than done, isn't it? It really is easier said than done. It's easy for me to say it, and I think the way that we kind of get to it, I, th- I actually think we're, we're really good at it as a church. I do think we are involved in each other's lives. I think I do think we're good at it. So be encouraged. But yeah, I do think we have to be involved in each other's lives. We have to be, you know, a church family that's that's doing life together, and then we get to the point in. Um, in verse 26, when it's mentioned about Epaphroditus, that he was, you know, this, this longing they had for his brothers and sisters in Philippi. And it's, it's quite interesting, actually, that he was, he was concerned, that they were concerned, that he nearly died. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, you know, you kind of think, well, oh, Epaphroditus, you've sort of got your own issues, like, don't worry about anybody else. But he's got this longing for his brothers and sisters. He's got this genuine concern for their welfare, just like Timothy had. Um, and yeah, um, and this is really, I think it's quite beautiful. It's really how it should be. It's this kind of culture of actually, if you hurt, I hurt, if you're celebrating, I'm celebrating and and vice versa. Um, and yeah, I guess the next, next aspect that I'll share sort of feeds into this a little bit that actually we're part of something greater than ourselves. We're part of a, a church family. But yeah, and I think there's a really practical application with this one, um, you know, especially in these times. What I would say is this week, just maybe reach out to somebody that um, you don't usually speak to or you don't reach out to, and yeah, be praying for them and just try to get get to know get to know people a little bit more. Um, and yeah, I think that yeah, that's that's really where we. We, we get to showing this genuine concern that, that Timothy for each other's welfare that Timothy and Epaphroditus had. And I think that's just a key part of how we live the gospel out in relation to each other. Um, so yeah, as, as I alluded to, um, j- just prior to that, th- this next point kind of feeds into that a little bit about, you know, living the gospel in relation to, to spiritual mentors and how church is actually a bit like a family. Um, so the point I want to make is that, that Timothy and Epaphroditus, they weren't, weren't alone. They weren't living the gospel as lone wolves. It wasn't kind of just like, well done lads, you've been saved. Now just go and get on with it and you've got no help. You've got no support. You're not actually part of anything bigger than yourself. You've just got to get on with it. Um, yeah, they were part of something bigger than themselves. Um, part of a church family. And actually... This idea of church being like a family is something that, that Paul refers to in verse 22, where he, he says, But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me in the gospel. And I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Yeah, he refers to Timothy, Timothy as a son in the way that he's, he's served with Paul in the gospel. And, and Paul, sort of like a father figure to him as well. Um, I think th- this kind of, of family, sibling, uh, the parent kind of language, we see it elsewhere in the New Testament as well. In you know, in one John two, John addresses kind of different believers as fathers, young men, children. There's yeah, there's this family dynamic as well that we see there. I just think that just as God places us into natural families, you know, uh, where there's there's people that. Uh, that we're, on a, a, uh, we're in the same peer group with, you know, brothers and sisters that are similar age. There's people above us that are looking after our welfare, like, you know, parents, carers, whoever that may be. God also, I believe, places into a spiritual family um, when, we, when we start following him. And of course, this spiritual family is what we call the church. That's what church is. And, and there's a phrase I've, I'd like to use, which is, blood is thicker than water. But spirits thicker than both, <laughs> and just how physical families got this unchangeable bond through blood—you know—it can't be changed. You will always be related through blood. There's this bond with families by, by the blood. Um, we've got an unchangeable bond through the Holy Spirit, and you know, let let that sink in. We've got this unbreakable, changeable bond through the Holy Spirit. If you're a spirit-filled believer, you know, we've got this bond with. Spirit filled believers in your community and all over the world, there's this, this bond, there's this thing that binds us together that's unchangeable. Yeah, I just I'd let that, I think that's just a massive thing to, to let us sink in. That actually we're, we're, part, we're not living this gospel alone, we're part of a church family that's bound together through the Spirit. And we see, you know, Paul with that language that, you know, as, as a son, you know, Paul is take, sort of, you can see how he takes responsibility for Timothy like a father. He's a, a spiritual mentor. And, and likewise, Timothy as well, you know, he was probably looked up to as a spiritual father as well to, to people in Philippi and, and other churches. And the same with Epaphroditus. So just because Timothy was uh, like a son in one relationship doesn't mean that he wasn't like a father in other relationships. And I think it, it can absolutely be the same for us. And I think that's the point that Timothy and Epaphroditus, they weren't lone wolves just kind of expected to live it on their own. They're part of a spiritual family that's taking responsibility for each other, that's bringing each other on, that's discipling each other, that's um, growing to maturity while in the knowledge that actually we're all on this road together and we're all servants of Christ. And that's the interesting thing that, um, Paul refers to Timothy like, you know, like he's a son and Paul's the father. But then in chapter one, verse one of Philippians, he calls them both servants of Christ. So we're all servants of Christ, but on this road together and we're helping each other as a family. We've got this unbreakable bond through the Holy Spirit. And there's so many examples of this in my life, you know, different, you know, youth leaders, elders, you know, I've got my own parents that are believers and, different people in the church that have just taken responsibility for me, discipled me, helped me to see that actually I'm not, I'm not (laughs) living the gospel alone. I'm not alone in my, my walk with God. I've got, you know, a a family of believers behind me, just the same way that Timothy and Epaphroditus had. So yeah, the question is, you know, do we see church in the same way as this this family that's got this unbreakable bond? and what I would say is, you know, I just have a think. You know, who are you? a father to anyone in the church? Are you a mother to anybody? Um, you know, if you consider yourself mature in the faith and advanced in years, and and you've you've yeah you've you've you know gained knowledge and you've you've been walking with God some years. You know, are you disciple people new in the faith. Are you are you helping them along as well? Are you are you bringing them uh, step by step? closer to god and closer to maturity and yeah i just think all this helps actually for us to see that we're not living the gospel alone and living the gospel isn't a solo effort but we're part of a family that are believers that's that's helping each other um and then just sort of onto the 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 final point is what's you know what's it all about why are Timothy and Epaphroditus living the gospel in the first place um, so you know we've seen examples from Timothy and Epaphroditus of you know what it means to live the gospel you know in, in our own lives in relation to other believers and also in you know the fact that we've got this spiritual family believers behind us that helps us to live live this without live the gospel we're not just lone wolves um, and yeah, as I said before one may ask well what's the point of it all anyway what are we doing Um, and really there's no points for the the, the Sunday school answer (laughs) Um, it's Jesus of course he's the reason why we're doing it all he's the reason why Timothy and Epaphroditus are are living the gospel and there's been this transformative change in their lives and they're showing concern for others and they're supporting their wider church family and they've got people supporting them Um, you know we see in the passage in, in verse 21 that that Timothy's seeking the interest of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. You know, Paul says, "Both those seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ." But Timothy, he's seeking the interest of Jesus Christ. And we see Epaphroditus. What did he nearly die doing? He nearly died for the work of Christ. It's all about Jesus here. <laughs> So, you know, in, in short, really, Timothy and Epaphroditus, they responded to the call, this call of Jesus, this call to, to lay down their own interests and serve him. You know, the call of Jesus actually to be reconciled back, back to God um, by having our sins forgiven through Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. He lived the life that we could never live. He stood in our place as a sinless sacrifice. And now we're free, just like Timothy Epaphroditus. You know, because of his death on the cross, God can forgive us. And we can actually enter back into a relationship with him. We can walk with him again, just as it was always meant to be. And this is the gospel. Jesus calls us to, to live this out by him, for him, through him. And to share this gospel, to share this good news with others. Um, and I responded to this call, um yeah, I mean it was I don't know how many years ago it is now, seven or eight years ago, I was just really living for myself, just not surrendering things to God the way that I should have been doing, and it just all came to a head one day, and yeah, I answered that call about seven or eight years ago, and I've never looked back, and I've had it. Uh, there's there's lots of things I've abandoned. There's things I'm still working on. I've got a church family behind me that's helping me, and you know, I'm growing each and every day in in grace and in in stature and in, in maturity. And I just encourage you to perhaps you're watching this tonight on Facebook or another platform, and you're sort of like yeah. yeah, you know what? I'd like a bit of that. I'd like to to know God. I'd like to to walk with Him. I'd like to. Um, you know, get on this adventure with God, this, this relationship, which is what it is. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you haven't responded to that call of Jesus, then, yeah, send Tom an email, send a Facebook message to the group, to the, the Facebook page, Just get in touch and somebody can help you to actually take that first step on this adventure with God, this life with God, where, you know, we're living, we're loving others, we're serving and we're we're spreading this life-changing gospel around. That actually there is forgiveness of sins, there is life, then there is there's actually a hope beyond the grave and beyond this world. um And if you have responded and and you you are a, a believer already, then I just encourage you to, to take the example of these guys and take some of the things that I've said tonight and just strive to live this gospel deeper and fuller and to. Yeah, to so just take even one more little baby step closer to God. And yeah, that's my invitation to everybody tonight is let's live this gospel. Let's let's do it together as a, a church family. And